AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday, 952-946-6205. Once again, a reminder, and I'm going to say this a lot, vote, 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 vote. I voted today. There you go. I got my little sticker on there. Uh, Ron Latz, Cheryl Yukim. I'm brought up at the beginning of the 3 o'clock hour. It does annoy me. Um, that the, that there was no, they didn't even have a challenger. Republicans didn't even run a challenger against either one of them. I mean, come on, it, it's it's. I, I hear people say the two party system is bad. I guarantee you it's better than the one party system. So come on, you know, make sure we actually have choices on these elections. I I get upset when both parties when they don't run candidates in races. Give people a choice. That's the important thing out there. Uh, I'm this is my first time. Uh, Dean Phillips, I voted for you. That's right. Not 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 a question. Uh, I've moved from Sen- uh, House, uh, Sen- House District 5, Minnesota 5, to Minnesota 3 with the redistricting. So uh, I voted for Dean Phillips. Easy peasy. Not a question. Uh, done. And I, I'm pretty sure Dean's going to carry Hopkins pretty well there. Um, Governor Walls, Steve Simon, Julie Blaha, Keith Ellison, done. 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 And, uh, yeah, that's what you – voting is important. Straight DFL ticket is an important vote. We need to keep the leaders that we have here, and we need the House and the Senate to stay – the Senate to become the DFL, the House to stay with the DFL. And on the House side of things, let's head back up north to 2A. Reed Olson is back with us. Uh, he joined us earlier this year. He's kind enough to rejoin us to talk about how his campaign is going as uh, we are looking to carry that seat for the DFL in the next House session. Reed, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me back on him. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you back. And I know you're, you're out door knocking right now, so you're I, taking a little yeah, bit of a break. I took a little bit of break. I'm door knocking in my neighborhood downtown, kind of downtown Bemidji, where it is about 40 degrees and misting out. So it's just a beautiful day in scenic Bemidji here. <laughs> uh, we, we just talked to Alan Roy uh, a little bit ago, of course, who's running for the Senate seat up there. Yeah. 2A basically is the northern half of that district, which includes Bemidji, the Red Lake uh, Reservation, as well as also going up Baudette and Lake of the Woods, correct? Yep, yep. And the northern half of Hubbard County, uh, Hubbard, I always say, uh, the northern half of Clearwater County. So Clearbrook and Gonvick and a couple of townships of, of Clearwater County. So, yeah. Basically, Bemidji, and then straight north up to the northwest angle. How you know how is how has it been going for you? How's the door knocking been going? It's been going really well. I think we've been hitting a lot of uh, a lot of people. You know, we're basically just about hitting every door, and we have a lot of doors we don't have any data on, and they're coming back really positive. Um, today, I, I was out a little bit early. Most people are at work, so I didn't hit too many people. But the people that I did hit. Um, pretty sure they're going to vote for me. And uh, I just want to mention one thing. I don't know if you see this in uh, in in the metro so much, but I was there's this one house about three blocks away from mine, and they've, they had Stauber signs, Grossel, my opponent. Uh, Stauber is the incumbent Republican member of Congress that Jen Schultz is going to unseat in a couple of days here. Yes. Um, and then all of this slate of the Republican constitutional offices. And I was driving by, and I was like, man, I know that that house is empty right now, that nobody's living there, and there's all these signs. And so now today I finally knocked the door, and I said, are you supporting these guys? And the, the person who lived there said, no, no, the signs are there when I got there. And so this happens a lot in Bemidji. Bemidji recently became a majority renter community, so 51% of residents in Bemidji rent, 49% own their homes. And what landlords do, there's a, a few really powerful landlords that own uh, the bulk of the of the real estate. Um, and so they put their signs up. It's astroturfing, right, where they're making it look like people are supporting these candidates, but they have no support in Bemidji. And so you drive by vacant lots or 
vacant apartments, and you see these all these signs for the Republicans, and nobody's living there, or the people are afraid to say anything to the landlord about it because they don't want to lose their home, you know? So that's what's kind of uh, stuck in my craw this afternoon <laughs> as I'm door knocking. So not all not all yard signs are created equal. My yard signs are in front of people's homes because we knocked their doors and asked them, and they said that they wanted our signs. You know, the Republicans yeah. just put them wherever they have power, not where there are individuals that actually uh, support them. So is that against feel the, better? Is that against the law? I mean, I mean, if I'm renting the property, yeah. I'm the resident of the property. So for the landlord right. to come in there and force their political view as as mine, is that legal for them to do? I I don't think so because you're leasing that land, you're yeah. leasing that that home and the front yard, and so. And I said to the to the tenant, I said. You should tell your landlord that if they want to keep these up, that you should get about 10% off of your rent because now you're not able to use your property. You know, you're leasing the property, so you have full control over it. But when you live in a community where there's not enough housing and you have landlords that, that don't, you know, you have, we have a lot of residents that don't understand their rights and we have landlords that are willing to abuse those rights. And people say, hey, it's not perfect, but at least I got a roof over my kid's head. I'm not going to rock the boat. So sure, technically it may be illegal. Um, it's surely unethical. Um, but yeah, I think it violates your First Amendment right of political expression because they're basically putting words in your mouth, you know. Well, so, but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna gonna challenge them because they need a, a you know, you're a single mother with a with a pile of kids. It's hard to find an apartment, and um, and you definitely want to stay on the good side of your landlord. Read, you know? read. I, I know someone who could challenge them. It's me. I might go. Just, I might go find out what the law is on this, and I might call uh-huh. around to the, some of these landlords up there and say, "Okay, is it you? You do know it's illegal to force your political signs on any of your renters, right?" And yeah. uh, and they'll say, "Yeah, what are you going to do?" Well, I'll say, "Well, we'll, 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 we'll go get. We'll get some pictures of it. We'll find. We'll yeah. find out what we can do. We'll find out what the charges would be. What the what the penalty would be on something like yeah. that. We'll, we'll find out, and I'll I'll let you know what okay. I discover. Okay." Wonderful. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> Good deal. Well, because that's that, a, you know it's the it's all about that. You just nailed it. It's it's about trying to make it seem like this fringe Republican mentality is mainstream and it's not. Right. And they do this stuff. I don't hear what happens down the cities is you'll get roving gangs that will come through and take out every Democratic sign in in like sure. a four block radius. They'll just take out every sign and and that's what they kind of do down here. That I don't I don't think that they could do that down here. And I guarantee you. I mean, and I guess you know you know as you said you said you know there you have you know you got to be careful because you don't have a lot of options for renting but down here right. you where you do i can just see hey uh, let me show you where you can put your signs you know i think that would be a little right. bit of a right. mentality down here i'll follow up on that okay okay good deal good good because it's it's and that's just a it's just that's just one small symptom of, of the problem when when and that's why one of the main things that i'm running on is trying to get more housing built here in the bemidji area and um you know, we need more housing and higher wages so that people can afford to own their own homes. It's not helping that the Fed is cranking interest rates right now and really getting home ownership out of reach of more and more people. But we need more housing. We need more uh, power of, in the people, you know. I mean, when there's, if, if we had a healthy rental market, um, landlords wouldn't be able to get away with it as easily. Tenants would feel more, um, free to express their rights, you know, um, and challenge their landlords. But so, you got to get more housing, and I think that we need to look at a, a rental code that really, or maybe a statewide um, look at at really making sure that renters 
are being treated appropriately and that they're not having their rights violated. And so it's little, it's the canary in the coal mine, you know, when, when they go after, when they nitpick on little things, take your rights away. Um, it's just a, it's going to get worse and worse. And they're going to encroach on more and more of your rights. So, um, but so we need more housing. All right. We, we just, well, and I was going. Well, and I think that this 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 is such an important issue because it is not one that gets discussed at all. But you're absolutely right, and it's not just Bemidji, which is a larger metro area there. And as I was right. talking with Alan Roy earlier, it's that, it's that Bemidji is. If you haven't been up there, you don't understand that Bemidji really is its own area. It's not near Grand Forks. It's not really near Moorhead. It's not near Duluth. Right. It is its yep. own economic driving area, and so. Not only do you have the problems in Bemidji, but then you get up into these other parts of your district, especially north of there, and you know it's incredibly difficult to find decent rental properties in many of these towns. Yes, yeah, and that's you know I've been up to Bidette and to the the great little town of uh, of Williams uh, up in Lake of the Woods, and you know knocking doors, talking to people, I hear the same thing. You know what are your what what are your main needs for your community? You know, and it's housing and daycare, and then up up you know the further north you go the more people really want to see reinvestments in health care of all sorts, you know, because the hospitals are, you know, if you live in Bidette, you have to have, you, and you're pregnant, you got to come down to Bemidji or you got to go to, to East Grand Forks or Moorhead, you know, to deliver your baby. Um, elder care is getting more and more difficult in those, in those rural areas. And we know that it's so much cheaper and a much higher quality of life if we can keep people in their homes, but they're having a hard time finding, uh, the, the, you know, the PCAs that come in, you know, a couple of times a week to help people maintain their household, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so then if we don't have those employees to do that, that, that great work, then people are forced to leave the community to go to, uh, daycare, uh, elder care facilities outside of where they lived the, the first 85 years of their life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we have to really, uh, you know, what I want to see is some real major investments in, in rural Minnesota. Um, I, I, I think for for those of us that are old enough to remember, and it's a shame that there may be people too young to remember, but we used to have a thing called the Minnesota Miracle. Yeah. And, you know, it started in the late 60s, early 70s, and it really set up Minnesota. That's why Minnesota has the the great infrastructure that we do, the, the, the you know, the most productive workforce in the nation, um, the best infrastructure in the nation, but under Palenti, we really started chipping away at the Minnesota miracle. You may remember the unallotment where he slashed aid that goes to local governments. Um, he said, uh, he said that affordable college is not a right for Minnesotans, um, which is rich coming from someone who got his undergrad and his law degree from the University of Minnesota in the seventies when it was basically free. Yep. And then when he comes of age, he's a no, no, but not for you. You know, it's good enough for me, but not for Z. And so we're going to take it away. And now kids are paying, or students are paying twice as much as I paid to go to school, you know, coming out with huge debt, you know. And, and we need to fix that. And we know what happens when we invest in Minnesotans. Good things happen. You know, there's a reason that we have more Fortune 500 companies per capita than any other state. They, you know, if, if high taxes on corporations was a prohibitive factor, all those corporations would be down in Mississippi, but they're not, you know, and a few have tried. I remember it was it in the eighties Tonka toys relocated one of their production facilities to Texas. And after just a few months, they stopped and came back here because though the wages were lower, the productivity wasn't near as high. And so it was actually cheaper for them to do business in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. 
well, with higher then, wages and higher taxes because their their productivity was so much greater. Well, and then you get to the quality of life issue. And trust me, you get out of Minnesota right. and you also you you drive around Minnesota and it's like, oh, nice little parks, nice roads. The water is right. relatively clean. We need to make sure it stays clean. That's for sure. And then you get someplace like Texas. You're like, oh my god. Right. Yeah. <laughs> drive, drive through uh, Western North Dakota and you can yeah. experience yeah. The, the your tax savings. Yeah. You know, there's just zero investment in, in local infrastructure. You know, and you know, we do a really good job. We've been slipping over the last couple of decades, but we know the recipe. We know what we need to do to get back to where we were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know. And it doesn't take much. It's just a matter of really investing in our priorities, which are us. You know, investing in our people. Hey, Reed, you know? Reed, if I can ask you, one of the things I think I, you and I mentioned before. I've always loved the idea of do we in the Twin Cities we have metro mobility and allows people elderly people handicapped people to be able to get around and and live the life like a normal and you know like as normal they don't have to necessarily mm-hmm. depend on family members for rides or Uber they can just call metro mobility and they get around. I've always wondered why the heck we haven't expanded that statewide and have a you know Minnesota mobility and and I think that you know something like that up in in your district the ability to stay in the house and then have someone that can get you to the grocery store or get you to church I, I mean right. I think that these that that would that's just a common sense idea that seems to be a really good one mm-hmm. and and I think that that people would like to you know we're we're always talking about transportation being a huge challenge in Beltrami County uh, yeah. for, for people to access, yeah, nutrition, um, jobs, uh, education, um, doctor visits and stuff. And we do have some, we have um, uh, Paul Bunyan Trans- Transportation um, that does, um, uh, they do like a, they don't run a, a bus route, but you can call them and say, hey, I want to go to uh, Sanford Healthcare, you know, mm-hmm. and then they'll pick you up. But the problem is because, because we are such a huge community, you know, such a spread out uh, community, it takes a long time, and it's uh, it's just not very efficient. So it's hard to do that as a in a for profit sort of model. So basically, this private company gets subsidized by the state, the city, and the county to be able to do uh, to do this. And it's very very limited, and they don't go very far outside of Bemidji. Not knocking them for that. It's just that it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, it, and looking into ways to expand that would be great. And we have a lot of people up here that drive uh, people that volunteer to drive people to doctor visits, whether it's locally or driving people to, to Fargo, to the VA, or to Brainerd, to um, where they receive medical-aided treatment for, um, for substance use. Um, and there are some wonderful volunteers that, that, that basically just drive for mileage reimbursement um, to help. But we, we could really use something more formal and more spread out, something that will help people um, well outside of Bemidji, outside of the population center, but up in Bidette, up in northern uh, uh, Clearwater County. The um, This is, as I mentioned with Alan Roy, this is crunch time. And it made me a little frustrated yep. last weekend to see people in relatively safe DFL seats out working. We have these districts. The DFL can win. This redistricting that happened up in the 2 area on, on, on your district as well as Senate District 2, 2B, these are seats now where the DFL can pick these seats up. But it comes down to, as you said, you've got elements in the community that are working against the DFL hard. It comes down to yep. knocking on every door. It comes down to contacting every voter and making sure they know to, to vote coming up on Tuesday, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, it's all – I mean, we have the – you know, they, they have money, but we have people, you know. Um, uh, that's a poorly phrased uh, famous saying from uh, from Washington. He was the governor – or the mayor of Chicago for one term. He beat the dailies 
Um, that, and that's what you said. They may have the machinery, they may have the money and the power, but we've got the people, and that's what we need. So if we can get our people out to the polls, we're going to win. We're going to take the Senate district, which a couple of years ago never no, nobody would have thought would be possible. You know, um, we're going to take my house district. Erica Bailey Johnson is working in the in the B side of the district, and she's running a heck of a good campaign. It's a very challenging district, but she's looking really really good right now. So yeah, it's, right now we are really trying to get out the vote, mobilize people to vote. We're, um, we're working on putting together drivers um, for election day. If, so if anybody needs a ride, we can get them there. Um, and right now we are just trying to hit every door we can to encourage people to get out, excite them to get out. I'm really excited. Um, this is, this is, you know, I've ran for, for local election several times, and, and this, is, uh, this is a lot of work uh, <laughs> relative to just a, a, a small county's commissioner seat. Um, um, but we're doing it, and we've got, uh, uh, I feel like we've got a lot of he- a headwind, a tailwind, rather, pushing us, um, and, um, and things are looking really good up in Red Lake. We need a big turnout up in Red Lake. I think we're going to get it. We need a big turnout here in Bemidji, and it's looking good. And All righty. I guess... If you'd like, you want me to quick plug myself? Well, it was, you, I'm sure you're going to have door knocking this weekend. You're going to have, are you going to have some phone banking yep. this weekend as well? Yeah, yeah. So what, if, if anybody down in, in the, in the metro wants to help us out up here, you can go to my, um, my website, which is votereadolson.com and votereadolson.org. I think they both work. Uh, and there's a little survey that you can fill out. Um, and if you'd be interested in, in phone banking, fill that out and, uh, we'll get a hold of you and we'll get you a list and you can, you can call some people over the weekend for us and uh, encourage them to get out to the polls. Um, and that's right now. That's unless or drive on up here. Um, it's a be- it's going to be a beautiful uh, weekend. I'm not sure what the temperature is or if it's going to rain or not, but it's beautiful no matter what in Bemidji. So come on up, and uh, you can do some door knocking with us on on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. And um, but yeah, fill out that survey on our website, read Olson dot uh, vote read Olson dot com, and. Um, and yeah, we're going to do it. This is the, the last, the last push, but I can feel it. I think that there's a lot of excitement in the area. We just need to make sure that everybody gets out to vote. VoteReadOlson.com. And once again, if you just go to the main page and scroll down past the endorsements, you got the get involved survey right there. Fill it out yep. and get involved there. And once again, you can help out. If you can get up there, go door knock by all means. You can do some phone banking, but no matter what, help out any way you can. We can take 2A. We can take Senate District 2. We can take Senate District 2B. And that will put the fear of the DFL and the GOP, trust me, on that one. Well, Reed, Reed Olson, anything anything else, Reed? Yeah, I just want to say that, you know, we have not done a great job in the North as as DFLers. And this is our, our, our uh, beachfront here. If we can get these couple of seats here and we can flip the Senate and we can start delivering for people, we can take back the North. People ran to the Republicans because they felt that the Democrats weren't listening to them anymore, and they weren't completely wrong up here. But we can show them that we are the party of the worker, we are the party of the farmer, we are the party of the laborer. But we got to get in, and we got to start showing them that. We got to start getting them the results and letting them know that we care about rural Minnesota. Absolutely. Um, and, th- and this is this is the first step, the first salvo. I can't, so, I can't, excited. I can't wait for your, your rural Minnesota housing bill, Reed, because I, I, I will, yeah. I will make sure we promote the living daylights out of that when you're in St. Paul coming up in the next Wonderful. session. Reed Olson, 2A, votereadolson.com. Reed, thank you very much. Let's take our final break and head on into the rest of the uh, show. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950.